back at your morning drive here, Nick, Braden, myself, Marquise <laughs> on the ones and the twos in the back. Uh, right now, Nick is having some <laughs> technical difficulties with his microphone, but he's back I now. I think he's back. Yeah, he's back Yeah, now. I just got to get these All damn right. headphones working. Ready? Three, two. Three, two, one. one. Hit it. Go ahead, Nick. <laughs> no, you got to go ahead until I get this figured out. No, um, let, let's get back um, to, let's continue this discussion with Marcus uh, because it's fascinating. Because it's not just Marcus. Uh, and I know we've been talking a lot about just Marcus, but there's another guy in the equation uh, and the other Roger guy is, 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 is Roger yeah but it's Ryan Tannehill so um, but we got some go ahead drive the ship over there buddy we got some callers on here I love it I want to say let's see if this Cedric <laughs> um, can you push the button yeah there we go Cedric, Cedric what's up you man? there Cedric <laughs> Yo, yeah, there what? we go. I hey, we we got a first-year rookie over there running the board. <laughs> stuff, huh? You're right about that. I pushed the wrong button. My fault, Cedric. <laughs> oh, man, it's all good. Hey, Brayden, let me ask you a question. Yeah, Who's man. the best quarterback in Ravens franchise history? Ravens franchise history? Yeah, uh, is it, quarterback. It, it's, Trent it's clearly Trent. No, Steve, maybe Steve McNair, actually. Um, I know Joe Flacco is the one who won a Super Bowl, and Trent mm-hmm. Dilfer did too, but uh, probably Kyle Bowler. <laughs> well, I mean, if we, if we keep saying that Marcus is the greatest, second greatest quarterback because he won a playoff game, wouldn't you say that about Trent Dilfer with the Ravens? I mean, come on, man. That argument is is a terrible argument, man. Nobody cares that we won a playoff game. This is about nobody cares. No, no, no. We didn't win the Super Bowl, dude. This is. This I mean, is I, a result. I get your point. Thing. I mean, listen, it's about championships for me too. I, I understand your point, but. But but going from two and fourteen to winning a playoff game is not nothing, though. No, it is nothing when we oh. don't win the Super Bowl. Okay. These guys go out there and bust their tail to win the Super Bowl. And the D-Mates, I think you said a mouthful today, man. And um, when when you get a quarterback like Marcus Mario, I agree with you. He had one good season, and these defensive coordinators go out there. And they look at these guys, and they take away their strengths. That's what Baker Mayfield's going through right now. Every quarterback in the NFL goes through it. And the truly great quarterbacks are able to overcome those deficiencies and go on to have great careers. I, I submit to you guys that these defensive coordinators have looked, and they said Marcus Mariota only throws the ball to the, one spot in the field. And now that we're taking those things away, that's why he's struggling. That's why he's regressed. Ryan Tannehill is going to come in. And he's got to, yeah, I mean, he's going to throw the ball, I think, to the receivers a little bit more than Marcus does. I've never got the feeling that Mariota was really comfortable throwing the ball to receivers. Um, And I I think that Tannehill's probably going to throw a few more interceptions because he's going to be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, But, Derek, I would love to see you at 27 years old with Marcus Mariota last year, this year, not throwing you the ball as a wide receiver and how that would go over on the oh, line. I would love to see that. I, I tell you what, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take. Good, good call, uh, by the way. Thank you. Uh, I wouldn't take. Um, you know, Corey Davis's approach. Not saying anything. Um, you just kind of did say something. Yeah. No, what I'm saying, I wouldn't take his approach. Me and, and, and every guy goes about their business differently, so it's no slight. Well, you had the chip Davis. on your shoulder, and you played um, with attitude. That's. I think when you. Okay. I think there's a difference. When you are drafted in a certain a certain place, and you find it a lot, guys that are the guys that are drafted late, I'm not going to say they're hungrier than the guys that were drafted early. <clears throat> but here's the thing: when the guys that were drafted late, when they get to that point where they're consistently starting, 
they don't want to go back to that 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 other thing they were before then. So you know what? When they're not getting the ball, if things are not going their way, they are going to voice it because they understand that. Listen, I don't want to go back to where I was. So I've worked this hard and I've proven that I'm the guy. Get me the damn ball. And uh, coaches can say what they want to say. They don't like it, but they would rather you say, "Get me the ball." If you are a guy that when you get the ball, you produced. I did it with Heimerdinger. I did it with um, Billick. Um, I did it with John. Get me the damn ball. If you're not, don't get me the ball because I'm going to produce. Yeah. You know, but you have to have that. You have they, the co- head coach has to look at it. Office coordinator has to look at it and say, you know what? He might be an ass, but he's right. If we <laughs> give him the ball, he's going to catch it. That's so what I say. Get him the ball. That's what I say to my bosses all the time. Um. <laughs> but but if you go back to what Cedric said about the playoff win, and, and we get it, the NFL is not linear. You just don't continually build and ascend each not, and every it's not year. Like a college program, right? But the, you know the reality is when you get a playoff win in year three, you're hoping that's the beginning of something special, and you're going to go in a certain direction. They've gone in the opposite direction since, and if Marcus's career is over. Well, four and a half years as a starting quarterback and one playoff win when you're drafted number two overall, I think more people than not would say that's not good enough. Hey, listen, Cedric's point about the great quarterbacks understand that defensive coordinators are going to scheme for their strengths and weaknesses, and they have to overcome that. I completely agree. No one on this show, including myself, has ever said anything about Marcus Mariota being great. This has never been a thing. Uh, what I've always said is that he's he's a good player. He's an average NFL quarterback, and when he's surrounded by good players like Trent Dilfer, he's shown us literally that he's capable of winning in the postseason. And that's all, and and he was. I also think what happened after that playoff win? We had a major soap opera coaching change, a major soap opera where where a head coach stands at a podium and says, I'm not firing my coordinator, does this weird song and dance, then the GM and the owner have to come out. And then, like that whole thing was weird. That whole thing happened. You can also point to the broken leg. I think there should be a 30 for 30 on just the Miami Dolphins game from last year. Like just that, the longest game in NFL history where you lose Delaney Walker for the season. Taylor Lewan is knocked the bleep out, and Marcus's arm is damaged maybe permanently. Like there's, there's a 30 for 30 on that football game alone. And, and that was... 17 what was that like 22 games ago or whatever so I, I just think it's not as simple as like I to me that it's he was a good quarterback who who took this franchise from irrelevancy to the playoffs then something else happened whether it's the offensive line regressed whether it's he got worse whether he didn't learn whether it's a broken leg whether it was the coaching change whatever you want to put on there it changed and now he's different and to me, he looks broken, and I blame some of that on the organization. Some of that is on him. Some of that's on the organization. That's how I look at it. Seven three seven one zero two five. The number. Uh, let's get to Peyton, who's next on Morning Drive. Peyton, you go ahead. Hi, how's it doing, guys? Hey, hey. Uh, I just want to say that um, I think the Titans have ruined Marcus Mariota. Like, it's not all of their fault, but. The offensive line and nothing doing about it for years to come. Like I just think it's so easy to point your finger at one guy and say, "Pays the quarterback," and say, "Oh, you know, just because we're losing games right now, we're gonna blame it all on Marcus." Like I just I feel bad for the guy because everybody's putting their their finger at him, and when everything's good, everybody loves Marcus, and when something goes bad, it's like cut him down and get him out of Nashville. So if his Titans career is over, 
I hope he comes back to Nashville, and I'm a diehard Titans fan, but I hope he comes back to Nashville and just gives it to the Titans one time. I feel bad for him in the way that they are doing him right now. That's an interesting take from a fan. I don't, you, I, don't, you don't normally hear a fan say, I'd like to see my team get roasted. I don't feel, listen, man, this is a result ba- results-based business. Don't, I don't, don't feel, worry, he'll end up replacing, feel, he'll replace Tom Brady yeah, when he retires and exactly. win a Super Bowl. I don't feel sorry for Marcus. <laughs> you know Marcus, it's going to happen. I thought you said it was over. Marcus will go somewhere else, <laughs> and he will get an opportunity to start, or he'll be back up, and he will be making $13, 14 $15 million. I don't feel sorry for him. Not one bit. He... He had he had his opportunity, and he might get another one. But he had his opportunity to to set to submit himself, cement himself as the starting quarterback. So much so that the organization never truly brought in competition for him. Never from day one, he never had competition at that position. That's how much they gave him an opportunity. We're not going to bring anyone in for these four years to compete with you, seriously compete with you at that quarterback position. So they gave him opportunity after opportunity. Well, but, but hold on. Also, but how many, times, how many times does a team take a quarterback number two overall yeah. and bring in somebody to compete no, with you, him in the first couple you, of years? You, yeah. but they, what, I'm not even saying let's, – let's not say compete. But they never brought in a serviceable backup. Never. That if Marcus was doing bad, that they could say, you know what, let's take him out for a game or two, and let's put in this other guy, and maybe we could, it could be a spark plug. They've never done that. They've done it this past season with Ryan Tannehill, but before that, this was they wanted Marcus, and I've been saying this, they wanted Marcus to prove to them why he is the guy. They gave him every opportunity to prove to him why he is the guy, and he hadn't been able to do it. Now, it's not all his fault. I get it. But at that position, you got to at least – and that's the one – again, I keep on telling you, that's the one position that a GM and a head coach every day, every game need not worry about. And that's the position they were worried about. And if I got to worry about the quarterback position, we have a huge problem. I can worry about the offensive line. I can fire the offensive. Um, I can fire the offensive line coach. I can fire the offensive coordinator. I can worry about the receivers. Yada yada yada. But the one guy I want to walk into the building and know that no matter what, he will be there to play. He's going to do his job the right way. That one guy needed to be the quarterback, and I can't say for certain that that was the coach's idea when he walked into each and every game the last couple of, the last year and year and what seven games that nobody everybody else might be wishy-washy but that quarterback right there that's my guy I know he's going to play it hadn't been that way yeah definitely not this season but that's why they brought in Tannehill um I, I agree with that part of it I don't think at any point last year though did they ever think that he, like this is not our guy like he still was they still were a game away from making the playoffs and what, when did everyone actually, when did the fans actually turn on Marcus when he didn't play in week 17 last year? So it wasn't like even the, when they were 9 and 6 and he had gone through 47 cracked vertebrae and spleens ruptured and you know, nerve damage in the arm and plantar fasciitis, all this stuff, and he still was out there winning football games for your team. There, there was, I, I'm with you, Derek. He never took the job, he never cemented the job as his own. Again, I think he's broken right now. I, I, you know, all that stuff, I agree with you. But there wasn't a moment, like to your point, Nick, about you don't bring in competition for a guy because you just drafted him. Again, the first, second, and third years, at the end of the third season, everyone was still in love with the guy. 
And most of last year, people were still going, man, the offense is struggling, but you know what? We're still winning, and we're still a game out of the playoffs, and as long as we beat the Colts, we love Marcus, we love everybody, we're going to make the playoffs, and then Marcus can't play, and everyone loses their minds because they didn't know how hurt he really was. And now he's clearly broken. Like, And it's now, it, again, his fault. His fault, the offensive line's fault, the coaching staff's fault. He has not cemented the job exactly like you have said, Derek. He's not taken the job. The coaching staff is worried about it. That's why he's benched. All of that's true, but it wasn't true in years one, two, and three, and most of last year. It just it it factually wasn't true, and and now it is, and now Ryan Tannehill is starting. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. The number, Derek Mason, head coach of Vanderbilt at seven thirty. We'll come back and get more of your calls on the Titans, Tannehill, and Mariota after this. But right now, our own very. Derek Mason. Yeah, if you don't want to be broken, man, because I know some of you men are, <laughs> you wake up in the morning and you're just humbugging it and you're tired and lethargic and it's the same old rigmarole, time to make the donuts. Well, listen, and I've been telling you this for over a year now by my good friends over at Cool Springs MD. Over the years, more men have started to seek help for hormone deficiencies and imbalances. Dr. Jeffrey Lodge and his wife Daphne have long with that wonderful and experienced staff give men the treatment required to improve their quality of life. Cool Springs MD services have already helped many men of the Brentwood, Nashville, Franklin, which I'm in, and the surrounding areas in Tennessee with improving their immune system, energy level, cognitive functions, and more. I told you, man, when you're broken and your energy levels are low, then you know you need to go see my good friends at Cool Springs MD because they will get your energy levels back up high. That's why I walk in here every day and my energy levels are on fleek. You know what I'm saying? They are on high 100, you know, because I chose to go to Cool Springs MD. Men, help your family, help the wife by helping yourself. And this is how you do it. Because, listen, they will connect you with the medical care you require to have a healthy and enriched life. And this is how you do it. There's no better time. Now, man, put this in your cell phone, okay? Because you need to make this appointment. You need to make it today, like right now. Because Halloween is right around the corner. I don't know what that means, but it is. Um, but here's the number to make that appointment. 615 615-486-3458. 615-486-3458. Or visit the website. Here it is, man. Write it down. CoolSpringsMD.com. 721. Welcome back into Morning Drive. ESPN 1025 The Game. Derek Mason from Vanderbilt at the bottom of the hour. Uh, and then also you will hear from Juice Stillman coming up at 745. Details coming up in just a little bit. Uh, let's get your Titans calls. A lot of people want to weigh in, obviously, on Mario to Tannehill. The big story coming down last night, officially Ryan Tannehill announced as the starting quarterback. That coming out from Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. Um, let's go to – I'm becoming a pro <laughs> yes, now. Yes, I love let's go like to this. Robert. Remember, hit the button on the left yeah, side. There, hit the button. there we go, Robert. <laughs> What's going on? Hey, um, I just wanted to weigh in on the uh, Marcus conversation. It's just I listen to you guys every day, and I enjoy the show. I must well, thank say. you. Thank you. We but appreciate it. I have it. to. Um, I'm going to take uh, Braden's side on this. I just think this fan base here, we sit back, and I listen to you guys. I'm a 49er and Pittsburgh ride or die fan. I'm a faithful fan. Also a relative and, of Braden's. We got it. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just, oh, that's what it takes to agree with me, huh? Oh Actually, you, you haven't met my family. I'm just saying, you know, I've been a fan of the Niners since the, the John Brody days. I go way back. Mm -hmm. And I think we, we sit here and we forget how bad this team was. 
I've been in this town since 2012. And when I got here, I saw two and I think one win, three win seasons, three win seasons. They were terrible. And what John Robinson has come and done with this team, it's just, it's incredible. And it's like the fans here want instant gratification. And that is not going to happen. Everything on the offensive side of this ball, it's, if you look at the team, they're all new players. There's no old dogs on this team that can teach or even just help to give advice to some of these younger players at all. Like you always say, that, you know, there's a use for some of the older players who can help bring, bring along some of these younger players. And there's none of that here. There is absolutely – there's not one receiver on that team that you can point to and say, well, we can lean on them for – any type of advice? Am I right? No, you you, you have a point. But there. but the, uh, but Robert. this team has plenty of veterans: Delaney yeah. Walker, Lawan, Casey. Been long enough, yeah. yeah. I mean, this team's got veteran players. They, they, they are. I mean, listen. If if the core of your offense moving forward, though, a playmaker standpoint, mm-hmm. right, is Derrick Henry, AJ Brown, Corey Davis, Johnu Smith. Those are fairly young players, mm-hmm. and that, and that's kind of the point you've been making, Derek. I I, I want to ask you guys something real quickly though, and and Nick, I, you know, you haven't been here as long, but. It's almost like they were a victim of their own success because they were so bad for so long. And then you, you draft a quarterback and you hire a GM sort of in back-to-back years. You fire Ken Wisenhunt. You have the largest improvement in franchise history. You go from two to nine wins. The very next year you get into the playoffs and you make it to the divisional round for the first time in a decade. It's almost like that, that, that rapid ascension into relevancy, it's like they couldn't handle it. And, and fans were like, no, now we need the next thing. And and it, and it's just not that easy. And I, I don't know. I, I You have that growth and that, that rapid sort of move into relevancy. And what do we always say about this town? This town likes a, a great party. And as long as the party's great, they'll be there. But then as soon as the party gets a little slow, they're, they're checking their phone and they're looking for the next party. And and that's the way this town has always been, whether it's the Titans or or, or Vandy or whoever. And it's almost like... All right, we rode the we rode the ride until we got to the Chiefs win, and then as a city, we we didn't get the next phase of the party. It slowed down, so now we're done with it. I, I would also push back on on the last caller's point about John Robinson's done an incredible job. I think John Robinson's done an okay job. I think he took a team that was a dumpster fire and made it at least respectable. Three straight nine and seven seasons, you know that that's that's commendable. He's done a uh, pretty good job. But I, I think he, you know, just to compare him to Floyd Reese, I think he pales in comparison to Floyd. I mean, very Floyd, very different. Floyd was he was here longer. He knew the organization. Um, you know, he, you could keep players under contract for longer, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, there are a lot of things that are different now. Um, Here's where, and, and and I could be totally off base with this, but here's where I think this all started to kind of, you know, go left. And it has nothing to do with Mike Vrabel because Mike Vrabel was just the guy that wanted a head coaching job and he got it. I think the moment that that it was this back and forth with Malarkey, I think that's where it sort of kind of started. Um you you fire for whatever reason. I mean, you fire a head coach that, yeah, that got you in the play. That, yeah, we, that got you to a playoffs. Um, and then what you do is you hire another guy, which I, I think Vrabel. You know, he he needs some time. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, 
say he's a bad coach after this season, no matter what happened, because, you know, he's in this thing two years and maybe you need another year after that because he's steady learning. But here, here, here lies the problem. When they decided to go vote for Abel, they decided to hire a guy at office coordinator that they knew, knew wasn't going to be here. Hmm. Nothing but two years. I even said when they hired him, I said, he's going to be here a year. That is it. A year. I think because, I think I pushed back on that. You can't hire a lesser guy in fear of the good guy leaving. Exactly. But you're right. You're absolutely right. But That's if you want, because you even said they should have hired Mar- Mar- Marty Morningwick. Or they should have went and tried to really push for Roman at, at, with the with the um, with the um, um, now they, Baltimore Ravens, and, and they did, and, and that's they did. why but Baltimore here, elevated him. Right? Here's the thing, yeah, that's why Baltimore, and that was probably the right move for Baltimore. But here's the thing: when you are hiring at the position, I get what you're saying. You can't be in fear at the next guy, but there were a lot of other good candidates out there that would have stayed here longer with Marcus and helped develop him even more. I always said that that LaFleur was looking for a head coaching job. Which, which we knew. Go, yeah, we knew he that. was going yeah. to be coaching based upon him getting a head coaching job. And maybe just maybe the development of Marcus didn't come. Was The lack of development with Marcus was sort of like the – the the what do you call it collateral damage so to speak it was like the byproduct of him phrase, yeah. you know him le- knowing he was going to be a head coach somewhere else I think that might have the firing of Malarkey and then that that could you can kind of tie all of that in with it man it, it is one of and and I could be wrong no I think you're right I think you're right I but I I would add to it the broken leg I would add to it. You know the Miami game, like you put you put it all together, and you have one of the more fascinating four year runs by any quarterback anywhere. Like it's just it's just it's hard to understand it, and I, I think the organization carries a lot of blame. I think the quarterback certainly carries some blame. I think the coaching staff carries blame. The offensive line, like you go around the room, and that's why this whole thing, like Marcus Mariota's career in, in Nashville, Tennessee, is like going to be. I feel like it's going to be studied by, by like NFL experts for years to come. Because it's such a bizarre case study in so many different things. Because you guys are both right. If Matt LaFleur, which I think right now we are learning that Matt LaFleur was probably a better coordinator than people realized. Um, and but, but if he's the best guy, you sort of have to hire the best guy. But if he's going to leave early, you have to sort of know do that with eyes wide open, right? And know that he's going to leave early. I don't know what the answer is to that question, right? Like, if, if I'm sitting in a room and you're telling me this guy's the best guy for the job... Well, but he might, you might have to replace him, which is sort of the new thing in offensive coordinator. You kind of have to replace NFL coordinators now all the time. Mm-hmm. College, too. It's just a revolving doors for offensive coordinators now. I, I don't know. I, I, I agree that it may have slowed the growth, but I also think he might have been the right choice. So it's like, you know, it's like everybody's right in this, and it's just so weird. The whole thing is so weird. All right, we will get back to the Tannehill Titans-Mariota conversation in a little bit. But coming up next, our weekly chat with Vanderbilt head coach Derek Mason. And you talk about you know teams in turmoil, teams in trouble. The Titans have their issues. Vandy certainly has theirs. We'll talk to the head coach next on Morning Drive. 
So I'll, I'll, I'm going to talk to you now, though, uh, even though I was totally unprepared for that. <laughs> We're going to talk about Spring Hill Heating and Cooling, guys. And that's because, listen, uh, unlike me right now, just now on the show, Spring Hill Heating and Cooling is prepared. They are ready to go when your house has an emergency. And we know that's generally in the wintertime when the, when the weather's super cold and the pipes are freezing and all that good stuff. And then, of course, during the summertime and the AC's running overtime. Well, we're entering that period of the year in the fall where we get like four weeks of good weather. And that's when you need to get your house checked up. Join the Comfort Club. Spring Hill Heating and Cooling will give you two checkups a year during off seasons, right? So fall and spring when your house is not working overtime. That way they can get a really good thorough diagnostic look at how your house is, is working. And when they do that, they can maximize your efficiency, which saves you money on your electrical bills today. But they can also prevent potential issues, big expensive issues down the road in the wintertime. So before it gets really super cold and, and your house is going your heater's gonna start working overtime, you need Spring Hill Heating and Cooling to come check out your house, make sure it's up and running smoothly. It's why my family uses them, locally owned, over two decades decades of experience in the Middle Tennessee market. So they understand your house and its needs when it comes to weather and dealing with all the things that wintertime brings. So get it get your house checked up now. Join the Comfort Club. Springhillac.com is the website. Make sure you tell them Braden sent you. And make sure you check out Smashville Live. Spring Hill Heating and Cooling, proud sponsor of Smashville Live. Back tonight at 7 o'clock, by the way. Spring Hill Heating and Cooling. Springhillac.com. Been the limousine. Now this. Has, has, has anyone noticed the theme? Mm-hmm. It's great. Mm-hmm. Hall okay. of Fame, yeah. Oh, see? Biggie was... Um, Derek nailed it. Yeah, I saw the... Um, all right, save it. The, save yeah, it. Marquise it? is getting angry yeah. at us. He wants Hand, us to save it. Hands down, my favorite Biggie song of all time. This That's one? pretty good. Juicy. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty Juicy. good. Grab him crazy. <laughs> you nasty. <laughs> we will uh, is, it, is, it weird? is it wrong that that's my favorite song <laughs> alright we got the head coach as we welcome in Derek Mason head coach of Vanderbilt Derek good morning how are you good morning man I heard a little Vicky in the background a little yeah. juicy you gotta lighten things up a little bit here <laughs> uh, obviously things difficult for you right now that performance this past Saturday was very difficult to watch uh, yeah. I mean ha- how do you explain what transpired Saturday in that 34-10 loss well, I mean, it wasn't our best performance. So, um, with that, you know, when I look at it and and, and I got to chalk it up to, uh, you know, not playing our best ball. Uh, obviously, you know, man, we're still lacking um, in some things when it comes to, you know, man, chemistry. You know, man, being able to play consistent football and and being able to find, you know, uh, you mean sparks and 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 you know, man, big time play in critical situations, and that's where we, you know, sit today. You know, you look at that ball game and how we started, and it's been like almost every ball game offensively been able to go down and score points. And then, you know, I mean, defensively, you know, it generally takes us into the second quarter. And these are the things that we're working on now. That's what we have to do as we move forward towards Missouri. And, 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 and that's where we sit today. Now, Coach, based on the play last week in this season, how do you – what do you do as a coaching staff to get your team not to um, give up on the season, so to speak? Yeah, man, I mean, this team's not going to give up on this season. I mean, it, it's, you know, I mean, every week, it, th- th- this is a, a, a one week at a time journey where, you know, I mean, you're in the midst of the storm, and what you got to do is make sure, I mean, that you walk through it. So, I mean, it's about trying to look at, you know, 
um, and some of the incremental things, you know, I mean, that we've been able to do. Okay, I man, how do you turn, you know, I mean, the first drive and the, you know, I mean, the second quarter drive and third quarter drive and the fourth quarter drive for points? How do you, how do you, uh, man, wind up, uh, you know, I man, I mean, turning, you know, I mean, second quarter actions or even, you know, third quarter actions into, you know, like how you need to play in the first quarter defensively and just, you know, I mean, consistently, you know, how do you grind out what you need for special teams? And that's a week, you know, I mean, a day by day, week by week journey. That's not, that's not a season. So, I mean, I, I, our our total identity is not invested in you know where we've been, but it's got to be in where we need to go. Hey, coach, how do you? And this sort of goes whether you're winning games, losing games, whatever. Um, out noise is a thing when it comes to college athletes, professional athletes. How do you, and, and coaching staffs? How, how do you keep noise out of of what you guys are trying to do and your message to the team? Do you have to address it? Do you have to? Just ignore it. Do, do, do the teams? Do you guys talk about it? Like, sort of, how do you handle that situation? Well, I mean, it's different for 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 adults and and really for my staff. I mean, for adults, okay. I mean, we we we, we didn't grow up with social media, okay. I mean, we know what it is and we understand what it looks like. I mean, but we grew up with television and radio. So, like, with that being said, you know, I mean, it was easy to turn those things off. You know, for young people, it's different because, you know, I mean, their their phones are their lives. So, with that being said, you know, I mean, the access to, to the information, you know, I mean, is really, you know, I mean, at their fingertips and is loud. And so... I mean, you have to you have to start your day with messaging. You have to continue to, to brand your message as you go through practice. I mean, you got to brand your message when you come, you know, I mean, off the field or at the end of a practice. Um, I mean, I have to continue to send my guys messaging, you know, I mean, throughout the day. You know, I mean, some of it, you know, I mean, is encouragement. You know, I mean, other 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 things are action plans. And then for the most part, man, I got to continue to love on these young men because you know what? It, th- this is this is this is the time where. You know, man, I mean, these young men got to know and understand that, you know, that there's, there's, there's purpose to what we do. Okay, man, we're playing the game. We got to make sure that we play for one another and we got to get to the other side. Uh, man, I mean, in today's human day and age, what I'm trying to stay away from is the idea that, man, you're only good when you perform. You know, that, that, that's, not, that's not where you need to be, okay, man? You perform every day, okay, man? You don't perform for, for, for the outside, man. You perform for yourself because that's what's needed and necessary to get you to the other side. you got your own team, which is your family, your friends, your loved ones, and then now, you know, like we're on a bigger team, so let's move it forward. Coach, you've always said contracts basically be damned. Do you look at this as a one-year, year-to-year type thing? I know right. you were asked yesterday about any coaching changes as far as midseason, and you said, quote, you don't get into the fog of war and start shooting at the man next to you. Totally understood, valid point. Uh, but if this thing continues to go the way it's going, do you envision any changes at the end of the year to your staff? I'll say the same thing I said yesterday. In the fog of war, I'm not going to turn on the man next to me man, and, start, and start firing. Okay, I man, that absolutely makes no sense, and and that's what and that's what failed and doomed companies do. So you know, like for me, uh, you know, I I believe that this is a, a family. You know, we're 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 in a stormy time right now, um, and it's my job as the captain to help try to get us to the other side. And then you know, like once you hit land, well, then you start looking for food. But right now, uh, we 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 we're we're in the midst of this thing, so we just got to make sure that we get to the other side. Now, coach, have you seen enough in in, in Deuce Wallace? Um, to give him an opportunity um, to to be underneath center because it you know from my event and you see it way different than I do, but Riley Neal just hadn't been the answer um, for your team thus far. 
Right. I mean, I I think what I'm you know been looking to do is make sure, man, that those guys you know man continue to get the reps. Uh, you know, I mean, if I had if I had better answers, man, I'd be looking towards it. Right now, I've got the answers that I've got, and so you know, man, what I'm gonna do is make sure, man, that these guys get reps. I thought you know, man, Riley struggled on Saturday. I mean, I thought you know, man, been deuce. You know, man, did some solid things, but when you looked up, you like there were opportunities, man, for big plays that we needed to hit. Listen, this, this, I mean, the whole dress rehearsal thing, uh, you know, man, is not what we're looking for. I mean, what we're looking to do, man, is try to, you know, man, put, put a quarterback, a team, uh, an offensive defense out there, like on the field, man, that can give us a chance. And I know right now, you know, we're we're evaluating everything. Uh, these guys are going to get reps. We're going to see, you know, how they perform throughout the week, and we'll make a determination as we get into Saturday. Coach, we know these uh, things are rough right now, so we do appreciate the time and you coming on and taking the tough questions. Best of All luck right. this week. All right, thank you. You Just got it. Down. Derek Mason, head coach of Vanderbilt, as they will take on Kelly Bryant, Barry Odom, and the Missouri Tigers this week. Man, that's a brutal matchup. Uh, Missouri's offense is playing really well right now. Um, I give him credit, though. Um, I, I think answering those are those are tough questions, and I think he's he answered them fairly well. Um, you know, I, I you know the answer on do you turn to the guy next to you during the fog of war, which is a really great answer, a really wordy answer. Mm-hmm. But if your team is not responding to a particular coach, you know, like. How many times do we see NFL and college teams make changes in the middle of the season? It happens all the time. So um, it, it's, you know, if, if he thinks it could extend his career or make the team better, you have to consider those types of maneuvers. I'm not saying he needs to mm-hmm. right now. You know, Nick, you asked about the end of the season there. Um, how do well, you keep- I mean, push comes to shove. If, if Malcolm Turner goes up to him in December and says, hey, you know, I'll bring you back for another year, but you got to whack your entire staff. I mean, Derek Mason's going to have a decision to make. Go yeah, down with the ship or make changes. You're going to have to. It's, you know, I was always, you know, taught that because he said it's a family and it truly is because you, you put in a lot. You spend more time with them than you do your actual family. So they do become your families. Those young men do become sort of like your, your extended kids, um, so to speak. But I was always taught that, listen, you can love your family, but you can love them from a distance, too. You can just walk away and and, 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 and kind of do your own thing when things are not going well and then maybe come back to it. But in the coaching situation, you can't come back to it. You can. Yeah, we're family. Yes, you don't want to, you know, turn on the man next to you. I get all that. And he was absolutely right. But at the end of the season, like you said, listen, we're going to make some decisions. Yeah, we're family. I love you. But sometimes, just sometimes, I got to walk away from family. I still love you. I'm still there when you need me. But I got to walk away because it's just not working. All right, here's what we got coming up for the rest of the show, an action-packed show, the D-Mace dissection as 85 will break down the All-22 at the top of the hour. And then Sean Henry's going to stop by at 8.30 as we'll talk some sports with the Predators president uh, and also Ian Eyre, Nashville SC CEO. What, what, uh, what is D-Mace dissect now that you don't have Marcus to dissect? Oh, I still dissect. Marcus. Oh, you can do this one. This is the last week you can do that. Well, I'm dissecting a quarterback. Period. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so we go Tannehill now. Yeah, we're gonna go. Tamerhan well, is under the microscope. Well, this week, no, it's Marcus because he played the bulk of the game. Next week, it will be what, Tamerhan. What, what's the th- what's the thing like the tray? You know, like when you're in seventh grade and you got the frog uh-huh. all laid out. The scalpel you, dissection. What's what is that? Uh, uh, like, is that your workstation? There's got to yeah, be that's a, my workstation. Your, your, yeah, that's my <laughs> that's my laboratory. Laboratory. Oh, Marcus, here's a not laboratory. Cracked, cracked rib. Let's move that out of the way. <laughs> we need to be determined, guys. We need to be determinated, man. <laughs> we can beat him in New England. <laughs> we can beat him here. We can beat him there. 
Our Titans fans, if you want to jump back in, you can. 737-1025. Vanderbilt fans, if you want to chime in after your head coach, 737-1025. We'll get back to the calls. Uh, and then also, one man found it necessary to go on Periscope last night after the Ryan Tannehill news came out and channel his inner juice. We'll explain <laughs> next on Morning Drive. Back in here on a Wednesday edition of Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5. The game Predators with a really good win last night in Vegas as they down the Golden Knights 5-2. to We will get back to that coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, jam-packed 8 o'clock hour, that will include Sean Henry as well as our D-Mace dissection coming up in just 11 minutes. But last night, obviously... Mm-hmm was a really great night, but a late night, because the Preds didn't start till 9 o'clock. The Tannehill news didn't come down until after the Preds had already started. And I'm a little jealous that one man actually beat me to the punch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually think this is absolutely hilarious, that our very own Jared Stillman channeled his own O.J. Simpson on Twitter last night. Let's actually go live to the video and play the tape Jared Stillman channeling his inner O.J. Simpson. Hey, Twitter world. It's yours truly. Who can believe that the Titans bench Marcus Mariota? We'll have a full reaction tomorrow on Jared and the GM, including what Coach Vrabel has to say. I'm a little surprised Vrabel and J-Rob are making this move because now the pressure is going to be all on them to find a quarterback. Well, I'll see you soon. Take care. That is all he missed was the I'm just saying, yeah, and then to take care, and he had it 100%. By giving a minus, his inner juice that's just what he did, and you know, he did Juice Simpson and Jerry Stone. All right, all right, hotcakes. Here's the deal that was brilliant. Hey, Twitter world. That was brilliant. Hey, Twitter world. It was absolutely brilliant. He did it. Stillman, as you said, Nick, we are all we are all angry at ourselves yep. today because we didn't do it first. Mm-hmm. Or at least Nick didn't do it first. Yeah. Or Derek, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I am also I'm gonna be a I'm gonna act like an old man in a rocking chair with a with with a perfect yard. Your boy from Mr. Bruno. Mr. Bruno. Yeah. I am I am Mr. Bruno on this topic. Anyone under the age of 30, hear my voice right now. This is an alleged double homicide murderer, okay? He's really good on Twitter. Cool. Cool. Really cool, guys. Don't forget the reason he's famous. Not because he's a Heisman Trophy winner or because he rushed for 2,000 yards or because he was a great actor in Naked Gun 33 and a third. No. He's famous because he probably killed two people. So let's, everyone under the age of 30... Let's remember that as you're smashing the like button. When you're smashing the like button on OJ's Twitter account, and I hope he doesn't hear this. Please don't record this, Marquise. <laughs> it's recorded, buddy. When when he sma- when you smash that like button and subscribe for OJ's Twitter, and you're under the age of 30, and you don't have any idea that this person allegedly murdered two human beings and then committed multiple other crimes, please, please understand history. They know it. it they just don't pisses care. pisses me off. Hey, Twitter world. <laughs> now, Stillman, hey, they know it. phenomenal. They know phenomenal it. job, Stillman. They just don't care. Um, Capitalizing yeah. off a double homicide I mean, murder. You gotta, cool. You got to love You gotta love it. You know, hey, Twitter world. This is Jared Stillman. <laughs> also, I mean, you know. how many people does OJ have on his fantasy team? That's the other question. Every time a player, he probably got Jalen Ramsey on his fantasy <laughs> team, right? 
We're going to get a video today. Are we not going to get a video today from OJ? I had Jalen Ramsey. And hey, now. Twitter world. I had Jalen Ramsey on my fantasy team. And, oh, and speaking of that, let's actually many, wrap up. How many the, guys did you have on your fantasy team? Everybody that he had was all is all out now. He had he drafted Andrew Luck. He yeah. drafted Antonio Brown. He drafted. I'm, like, how did he draft? Like all I told the guys? you, Marsha Clark couldn't put him away, but the fantasy gods did. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't think he drafted any of them. I think he made it all up for social media because he's well, good. He's brilliant because he's brilliant at social media. Yeah, Just brilliant. because he's brilliant at social media doesn't mean he didn't kill two people. All right. Just s- saying. S- speaking of brilliance, mm-hmm. uh, I think the Jalen Ramsey thing played out brilliantly for all parties involved. Think about mm-hmm. this. The Jaguars get a total steal. They're going to get a first-round pick in 2020 and 2021. The Rams are clearly desperate. They're all in for San Francisco and Seattle are completely legit. The Rams are going for it. And Jalen Ramsey got what he wanted, and he didn't lose a dollar. No, he's in, he's in Hollywood now. And um, he's going to, they're, going to, they're going to back up the Brinks truck for him um, next year. Um, if not, then it was it was a waste of trying to get him. So they're going to have to re-sign him um, this offseason. And they again, he's going to back up the Brinks truck, and they're just going to throw start throwing bags inside of it um, until he says stop. Um, this you think was, he say stop? Ever? Nah, I don't think he. I think he just stop. keep letting yeah. the, the bags fly in there. I think he, um, you know, it was a win-win for both sides. I believe, and I know some people are looking at it. Oh, they gave up too much. No, they didn't. You know, this is a guy that is considered the best corner in the league. He's a shutdown guy. He's an all-pro guy. He's a Pro Bowl guy. Not too many of those guys you're going to find. And and how many plays were the Rams away from being a Super Bowl exactly. champion last year? Absolutely. I mean, I know that the offense was the problem in the Super Bowl, but what if Jalen Ramsey was on the defense? Exactly. It, I think it would have been totally close, different. Maybe yeah. it's even closer of a game. I just think if you want a guy like him, you have to you have to give up. You know, you got to give up the farm, so to speak. Um, he's a he's one of those guys that you don't see, you know, around the league too many times. Um, he's he's arguably. I mean, I don't think anyone would 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 question his ability to shut someone down. He is the best corner in the National Football League right now. And if you got to give up two first round draft picks to get him, then so be it. Because I believe he's going to give you everything and more. Um, if you truly believe he is that missing guy on the defense that can kind of put you over the edge and put you back in the Super Bowl, then do it. Why not? Think about their defense now. They have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. I mean, when we're talking about best players in football, not at a quarterback position, you don't go down too far down the list without mentioning Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. They have the best defensive lineman in the game, and they have the best corner in the game. I don't think that's too far-fetched. I mean, yeah. you know, you I need might, those. I probably agree with you know, that. You need those type of players, and now the Rams have both the, of them. Those are rare commodities yeah. in, in the NFL. A, a dominant nose guard, and, and that's why Jeffrey Simmons, who, oh, by the way, Mississippi State's tweeting about yesterday. I don't know if you guys saw that. No, I didn't. Mississippi State's like all over. Like Jeffrey yeah. Jeffrey Simmons is back. He's coming back, boys. Be ready. Well, that's the only thing they got to tweet about. I mean, if I'm Joe Moorhead, I'm, I've, got a, I've got a 42-foot picture of Jeffrey Simmons in my office just saying, hey, kids, come to Mississippi State and be like this guy, um, at, at least on the field. I, I think it, it's – yeah, I – the, the Rams, they're also, what, three games back of the Niners mm-hmm. after losing to them head-to-head? So mm-hmm. they also felt the need to make a move in a pretty tough situation as well. So, well, there are opportunities now. Right, I mean, their I, window yeah. is very small. Yeah, totally agree. Um, could they use a left guard, though? Like, could could you trade him Roger Saffold, maybe? 
He seemed to be better in Los Angeles. <laughs> Can you give Roger Saffold back to them and get something in return? Yeah, I don't. Uh, Would no. you trade Saffold back to the Rams for like a fifth rounder right now? No. Nah, because I need somebody. Yeah, you need a player. Yeah, yeah just throw Dennis Kelly in there. Give me the fifth and get Saffold the hell out of here. Give me a fourth. Mm. You can have Saffold back. <laughs> Who do you think's <laughs> in it? Damaged the, goods. That's the line, the fourth. <laughs> yeah, you sold me damaged goods, okay? You Who, give me a third, I'm good. Who do you think will be the captain this week for the Titans? <laughs> Who cares? You think it'll be a big Raj? Do you actually? Do you? I know you led with that on Monday, kind of jokingly. Why do you call him Big Raj? Because <laughs> it's funny. Because saying Saffold just isn't worth the time right now. And it's and it's Roger Saffold the third. Okay. Saffold, oh, is it the third? It's the third. Saffold but. sounds like a really good blocker. Big Raj don't. So the, so the two other Saffolds ahead of him probably just feel pretty embarrassed right big now. Big Raj sounds like the guy who's six seats down from me at exactly. my local brewery yeah. when I go in to have a beer and I'm like, Hey, Big Raj, how's exactly. the day on the on the farm, man? Hey, put this on my. T- yeah, Big Raj had a rough one today. <laughs> this is mean. We're being mean. All right. D-Mace has got the lab coat on. The goggles will be slipped on. The scalpel is ready. It is time for another D-Mace dissection as 85 breaks down the All-22. Next on Morning Drive. I'll see you soon. Take care.